Hello and welcome to episode 860 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Tuesday, October 27th. I'm your host, Paul Sporn. I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, what's going on, bud? Has like time has less meaning now that you're like old and senile? Of course. That's why That's why I forgot the date. Mm-hmm. Turned to whopping 39 on Saturday. It doesn't Ooh. matter. It doesn't matter. I'm old. <laughs> Life year. is meaningless. If. If you don't think that next year, mm. all day, if, if we're potting, if it's a weekend day, I guess it'll be a Sunday. If you don't think I'm answering everything, whether it fits or not, with I'm a man, I'm 40, then you just <laughs> don't know me. So it, it doesn't matter. Paul, do you want tacos for dinner? I'm a man. I'm 40. That's it. Just bits from the Mike Gundy rant all day next year on my birthday but should, should i have... just steal like an itl thing next year when i'm 36 yes no 37 in a row well, oh damn well i turned 37 at the end of next year okay there so, you go then i yeah Shar, stop crying I, by the door you're not leaving I, you're, you're in the room for the pod Shar, she's chilling <laughs> she thinks she's getting out but she's not she's stuck how you doing I'm doing well. I'm actually really glad my power didn't get shut off because apparently that was the thing that was supposed to happen this week. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we were supposed to lose power from Sunday to Wednesday because of heat and high winds uh, and there being a lot of you know fire possibilities with that. But mm-hmm. uh, my house was spared, which is really nice. And I've been spending uh, pretty much the last week and a half uh, uh, hunting mice and rats that apparently right, yep. have right. run away from the fires and into my house. That's that's pretty annoying. I mean, I'm glad you guys were spared. You guys are usually on the rotten end of mm-hmm. of those of those rolling blackouts and everything. So I'm certainly glad about that. Um, oh, I, I would have been so pissed if during the World Series I lost uh, power. Oh, it's because it's been a good one. It really has. Oh, it's been amazing. I'm excited for Game Six tonight. I really hope they force a Game Seven. Yeah, I'm definitely rooting for the Rays, so that's part of it. But also, I just want more baseball, and it's it's our last little grasp of baseball. And because of the weird, disjointed two-month season and everything, I think that fall has snuck up on me. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. cold here. It's like damn near freezing, literally, not just Paul freezing. It's 39 <laughs> degrees. Um, so it's a nightmare right now. And it feels like it came out of nowhere because it's like, well, we just had you know the baseball season. But we are in the playoffs. It should <laughs> You know, weather should be turning. It's just all, I think we mentioned it before, time moves exceedingly fast and not at all, both at the same time. And it mm-hmm. doesn't make any sense, but that's where it's at right now. And so we just have to deal with it. Game six tonight should be a lot of fun. You and I are talking pitchers today. Let's get into it. Two early mocks. Last episode out, we talked two early mock hitting. That was a fun one. Appreciate the feedback on that. We're going to do something similar today, and it kind of works out perfectly. Like last time we opened up talking about the, the catcher pool and how how weird that was, and got into some individual pitchers, then talked about some guys that we liked post 200. With this, we're going to talk about the closer pool, also pretty interestingly weird and uh, a little, little uh, empty up at the top, the way catching is. I'm talking about where some particular pitchers are going, and then we're going to move it to post 250. And talk about a few pictures that we like there. So let's just start the closing pool, Justin, because it's a nightmare right now. And I think part of it is the two-month season helped 
cloud things big time. You know, things never really got a chance. Interestingly enough, there was some early uh, early lack of settlement, and then things kind of settled in, but then the time ran out before things would normally change again. A lot of times you start to see those changes two plus months in, and of course, regular season was over at that point. So what is your general overview of closing right now, and how did you approach it in the two early mocks before we get into individual players? <sighs> I mean, I didn't really – when I do mock drafts and even when I do the two early mocks – I'm not necessarily thinking about uh, roster construction as much as I am about, okay, I'm just going to take my highest rated guy here. And so uh, I ended up, I don't believe I took a closer early. I think I ended up with, uh, I think like Taylor Rogers and Mark Melanson, two guys kind of in, in those areas, um, which I, which I would be fine with coming into a season it's always hard to do or to kind of talk about closers with these two early mocks because so much changes. I mean, exactly. a lot of, a lot of these guys are free agents. Uh, a lot of these situations are really muddled. We'll have a little bit more information. I mean, things will still be muddled when we come in. And I think it'll be a lot like it was when we came in, in March of 2020, which was, there were a lot of people pushing down closers, comparatively speaking, to previous years. Yep. And I think the same type of thing will happen again because there's so little information that can be gleaned from a short 2020 season. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree there. And, you know, to your point, as far as like not really super, honestly, kind of like an, an A type of guy. But then I went Jordan Romano, who had gotten the job and then got hurt, and Cody Hoyer for the White Sox, who... We have no idea if he'll have the job, but he had an amazing season for them. So that, that was kind of what I did at Relief. And, you know, not only do we work with incomplete information going into draft time, but teams are just more inclined to optimally manage. And mm -hmm. and the optimal bullpen strategy is very non-optimal, suboptimal, if you will, for fantasy baseball. Uh, and so it's always that battle I have between my brain of understanding that yes, they're managing very well. And my heart caring about my fantasy teams and be like, like just name a ninth inning guy and press that button every time. Uh, so it's like, I, I have a hard time critiquing managers, even when they're jerking my, uh, my, my player from the ninth to the seventh. And, oh my God, he pitched the sixth here because it was bases loaded one out and they needed him to get out. Then he gets three saves in a row. Then he doesn't get a save for half a week or, uh, you know, it's just back and forth. If you ever have a Ray, you know what that's like. Nick Anderson well, uh, showed that this year. And I think that it's really fully on display right now where the Rays have shown they have a superior bullpen and superior bullpen usage in spite of the fact that they're down 3-2. And what we've seen sometimes uh, in previous years, uh, and most notably just off the top of my head, was like 2015 with the Royals and their kind of their outfield defense – like, a lot of teams went and tried to copy that yes. the next season. And so you wonder if uh, if other major league teams are watching the Rays through this season and through uh, the playoffs and World Series and going, well, maybe that's what we need to start doing with our bullpen, which really will push down a fair amount of the closures, but it'll push up the top tier. Uh, and so it'll be, you know, let's, up to people to decide whether or not they're willing to go after that top tier. Yeah, let's talk about that top tier because I think it's pretty thin, Justin. Mm -hmm. 
like the catching pool that the parallel that we're using here and I won't uh, I won't ex- stretch that analogy too far but you know we had JT Realmuto and then and then a, a real dip down it's not quite as severe but there are two guys that stand out at Josh Hader at pick 92 Liam Hendricks just right by him at pick 94 and then you jump down quite a bit, but not as, like I said, not as far as a, a stretch as the catching situation. But you go down to Edwin Diaz at 121. First off, I'm a little surprised that Edwin Diaz is the third uh, third closer. At the same time, I get it because his stats really, really mm-hmm. sharp. Let's start with the top two guys, though. You mentioned that probably not taking too too much of the high-end closing. Would you take these guys at these prices, though? Let's just say, boy, I guess it's so hard with Hendricks because he's a free agent. So. Mm-hmm. It'll, I mean, it'll largely depend on where yeah. he ends up. For the, sake, for the sake of this argument, let's put him on a uh, contending team, and he's going to have the job. Like, ju- just mm-hmm. for mental sake right now, and I know that that's, that's impossible to do, but let's just say, hey, he's the locked and loaded guy on a quality team, if it's even if it's not the A's. So mm-hmm. would you take either of these guys in these top 100 picks in the 90s range? Oh, I definitely will, but I think there's absolutely no chance – once we get the drafts in January and February, that these guys are going in the 90s. Like they these got, yeah, Hader and Hendricks are going to be going in the 60s. Um, and that becomes a little bit more difficult, but I'm still willing to probably pull the trigger on them in the fifth or sixth rounds. But I, I assume that's where they're going to go. Let me ask you something about Hader. How much. Does Devin Williams bother you? I don't know that it bothers me all that much. One, we don't even know if Devin Williams is healthy. Yeah. You know, he ended the season or ended the playoffs with, with an injury, wasn't even on the playoff roster for the Brewers in the first round. Uh, and I just think that Hader is likely the guy. And even if he doesn't get 100% of the save opportunities, the the bulk work that he does will kind of outweigh that. Here's an interesting uh, factor, by the way, to highlight what you're talking about with regards to these two moving, because of the under the wonderful smart. I almost said underful. What the hell is that? That's not even close. He to is a wonderful. I mean, he is wonderful, but he also is wonderful because of the <laughs> wonderful smata. We have historical data on the two early mocks yep. as well, and we can compare that to the NFBC. Uh, so actual drafts. Last year, 2019, two early mocks. Josh Hader went 88. Summer main event, 35. Yeah. So to your point, you're not just you're not BSing on that. You're not just saying, oh, I think they'll go up. It's pretty clear that Hader and Hendricks will go up. In fact, probably Diaz, uh, Aroldis Chapman, mm-hmm. and, you know, a few other guys might go up with them. But those two are definitely going to go up as people establish them as the top two again especially if Hendricks does indeed land on a top quality club I, I don't even know the candidates right now so I'm just going with uh would, I mean, the hard part contender. is there are a number of contending teams that their closers are free agents yeah you look at a team like Atlanta Melanson's a free agent do they go out into the pool and get something or are they set with Will Smith uh and Shane Green uh, Chicago, Colome is a free agent. Are they going to re-sign Colome, or are they going to go out and get a guy who's probably a little bit more longer term? Cody Hoyer, go with the guy you got. <laughs> well, they've got money to spend. I mean, it's not like they, they haven't, you know, they don't Hendricks have a lot a of fit there. 
hard money on that books. Um, I, I'm actually gonna bring up the ADP from the. Uh, oh, I guess I can't do it from. Oh, I'll bring up the the great fantasy baseball invitational ADP and and look at that because I want to see where Heater was going. Um, oh, back going, in March. Yeah, back in March when we originally were about to have a season. Hater was going about 68th in ADP, and okay. Kirby Yates was going 84th. So he sliced that in half just in the summer as everyone started to talk him up. Well, everybody thought that he was going to be so extremely valuable if he's pitching yes. two to three times a week and getting you know two innings at a I, time. I was part of it. I was ready to mm-hmm. take him in the third, fourth round, and I was, did in a league. I was ready to take him in the third, fourth round, and he went in like the first and second in like all my leagues. Crazy. So... That's crazy. So, um, yeah, those two are, are definitely in charge, Hayter Hendricks. Then you get Edwin Diaz, Aroldis Chapman, Brad Hand, Nick Anderson, uh, and then Alex Colomay. I just I, I could never take him there because I don't think he's going to – I don't think he's going to stay with Chicago and have that role, so we don't know where he's going to be. But wherever he goes, he should be the closer, we would assume, right? No, I don't, I don't assume that. I don't assume that. I think it – we really need to see where Colomay goes. Has he done enough to be like a, a, a lockdown guy? I mean, he was very He's good. He's always been good. It's not like, like results wise, but his skills are so there's, a, there's always going to be a team that pays for results. I don't know. He's 32 years old. I don't Which know. for a closer, I mean, isn't necessarily like super old. Not ancient. It's not and ancient. You no, know teams, teams like the guys who've done it before. And like I said, he's never ba- he's gonna get a role somewhere. It's gonna be on a bad team though. So I'm not. Yeah, it'll probably be like Arizona. You know, a place something like that. And I'm not I'm not paying for that. I you know I'd rather buy back in on on Trevor Rosenthal's rebirth. Um, you mentioned Taylor Rogers. You got he'll drop he'll drop in ADP. Like his ADP is there now. But everybody are gonna have these same concerns. We always have them about Column A, and he always goes. Uh, you know, he'll probably go towards that 170 price that he went in a few of the drafts. And if he's going there, I, I think I'm fine with that. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's going to drop. I agree with you there, especially if he does indeed wind up on a uh, on a lesser team or on a team that's crowded where he's not like guaranteed the the, the job. Uh, Brad where do you think going to be a free agent too? Pardon me. I said Brad Hand's going to be a free agent too because yeah. you know they're not going to take that $10 million option. It's Cleveland. Which is kind of wild, because that's really not that much. And I know that, you know, he's had... <laughs> What's that? There's going to be a lot of closer movement this offseason. Yeah, there really is. And that's why it's really it's a really difficult pool to address uh, based on the ADPs. Who do you like, you know, beyond Hayter and Hendricks in that immediate next, you know, seven, eight guys there? Do you like Aroldis Chapman? Do you? Yeah, yeah I like Diaz, Chapman. I like you know, Diaz. Those are going to be the guys that I likely am targeting for the most part. In in this uh, early draft champions that I did uh, with a bunch of guys in the industry, I ended up with Nick Anderson, and it was because I missed out on the closer run or the initial closer run. Um, yeah, yeah, no, it's it's going to be a headache. I I, I totally know it. And will the results be. are going to be good. It's a standalone get... league, so it's like I don't have to necessarily win saves to win okay. the league. So you just take the good innings that he's going to give because he's going to he's going to do that. You feel pretty good about Nick Anderson giving you good innings. Yeah, but I'm going to get saves. seven. Saves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the tough part. Um, Edwin Diaz, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good he was this year. 
and how much he cut the home run rate. I think people really imprinted on their brain the fact that he gave up a homer uh, early in the season in a blown save. I think it was his uh, second attempt was a blown save. And they're like, oh, he sucks again. And it's like, no, not really from that point on. And he actually gave up a run again in the next game, too, that he that he had. So two of his first three games, he gave up runs. But if you just take from the uh, from the third game on, Edwin Diaz had a 152 ERA, 46 strikeouts, and just one home run in 23 and two-thirds. Now, he only had five saves because he didn't have the role the whole, whole mm-hmm. time. But, you know, he's going to be 27, too. He's, he's quite young. Um, so I, I like I like Edwin Diaz, too. And obviously, people are paying for him at 121. But I'm okay with that. What about uh, what about somebody like Kenley Jansen? He went 160 in the two early mocks. I think the playoffs are pushing him down, right? Oh, I mean, these were done at kind of towards the beginning of the playoffs. I mean, some of them were still going as of last week because some of them were really, really slow. Um, I think he is likely... I mean, it's it's really going to be what the Dodgers do here in the last two games. I mean, Trinan was the guy who got the save. Yeah. Uh, last, well, or not last night, the night before last. So, and this kind of reeks of that uh, Daniel Hudson, Sean Doolittle argument that people were having coming into this season, where who's the guy they trusted with the ball in the World Series? It was Hudson. Yeah. Hudson was the closer. Uh, coming into the year, it's hard because I mean Jansen's contract. You make would, twenty mil next year. Yeah, would state he's likely to get the first shot, but at some point, know. if the Dodgers, you know, the the Dodgers are gonna want to strengthen this pen, and so would it be surprising to you if they went out and got a Colome? What if they got a Hendricks? Yeah, if they got a Hendricks, then it's Hendricks' job, I would assume. I mean, you'd think based on, like, some big four-year deal that he's going to sign. It all depends on what happens in these next two games, too. If they're mm-hmm. chasing the World Series, it's going to be different than if they're coming off of, of winning one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I can't judge Jansen right now because I don't think he's going to stay at 160. Even in this even in this setup, he went as high as 130 and as low as 210. Mm-hmm. So even even in the two early mocks, Huge he had a big range, range. So I don't know. Um Jumping down then to Rysel Iglesias, Ryan Presley. I mentioned Trevor Rosenthal. Where, where do you stand on on a trio like that? I, I like Rosenthal. I'm a little worried about that San Diego bullpen being somewhat muddled with just a lot of talent. Though I'm pretty sure Kirby Yates is a free agent, so even if he's healthy, he's likely probably not back in San Diego. Yeah, there's there's no way. Um, 33 years old, uh, 34 next year. That there's no way. I, I'd be I'd be surprised completely if they brought him back. Now Rosenthal himself is a free agent. He was mm. on he was on a small deal. He was on just right, a one year. He's on like a get right. So we'll see where where he's at there. You know he's gonna be 31. And they have so much pitching talent that San Diego might decide to go elsewhere. You know they signed Pomerantz to that deal. They've got some other guys emerging as Pierce Johnson, somebody to look at. There's so much up in the air that it is really hard to get too deep into the discussion right now. I will freely admit that. Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that you're looking at that isn't doesn't have a job right now? Um, that, you, that you're angling for in your deeper leagues, in your draft champions, thinking, you know what, he could be a closer. Is there anybody like that right now? Oh, 
Man. I'm sure there will be at some point, but I just off the top of my head, I, I really can't. Yeah, those, like, I think I've kind of highlighted mine with Cody Hoyer uh, mm-hmm. for the White Sox. He's been really interesting. You know, I just worry about, like, they signed Bummer to that long-term contract. I also think they're a team that are that lefty. would likely be active in the uh, in in the market. Yeah. This uh, this spring. I mean, we'll have more information. The question is, like, what is the market even going to be like? I like, I don't know, dude. I've been doing the uh, the crowdsourcing ballots, and it's so hard to have a feel for what anything's going to cost. And then you throw in relievers already being kind mm-hmm. of a weird market. It's a bunch of these guys are not going to have jobs like that. Just they're yeah. going to be teams that go, well, we lost so much money with the gate revenue uh, and we're not even going to, you know, we're not going to invest at all in this offseason, especially if we don't think if we think there's a chance there could be a shortened season once again in 2020 I think or 2021 will be. A shortened yeah. season. You know, we'll, we'll see, though. I think we'll just see shorter deals, uh, smaller deals. Some guys that would maybe get like one in eight getting like minor league deals, which seems insane, but that's how it's going to be. And uh, so we'll I think see how it goes. if you're if you're doing like really early drafts, if you're doing drafts in November and December and even in January, I think you're just going to want to really like bump up guys that have the roles and aren't free agents and then just take, a you know, a lot of dart throws at the end. So like if I'm in a 15 team league. I want to try to end up with a Hater, a Hendricks, a Diaz, a Chapman, uh, I guess an Iglesias, you know, someone even like a Taylor Rogers. And then I'm just, instead of getting a second established guy, I'm just going to get three or four guys at the end of the draft that are that are real dart throws. Yeah, I'm, I'm likely to play it in a similar fashion. I mean, the guys I got, Presley, Jordan Romano, and, and Hoyer, I, I, I like that trio. Um, mm-hmm. if, if I end up with a trio like that with some regularity, I would, I'd be okay with that. We'll see what, what happens in Toronto with Jordan Romano. Like I said, he was just getting that job, and then he got hurt. Um, Giles is a free agent. Are they going to stick with him and, and let him keep getting that let, – let him stay in that job? We'll see. But let's shift back over to starters, talk about where some guys are going. Uh, we reached – when we did kind of a general uh, look at the two early mocks, we had gotten down into the – like 70s area. I think the last starter that we talked about was Sixto Sanchez, who's actually going 80. So high 70s, low 80s. So we're going to kind of pick it up from there. So the guys that uh, went before that, there's probably some chatter about a lot of them in a previous episode. So we're going to start with Zach Plesak, who's going right around pick 80 as well, 80.3, with a range of 59 to 95. So that really depended on which league you were in. Uh, that 59 is an outlier, though. Everybody else kind of clustered more in the uh, mid-70s to early 90s range, which is, you know, j- just over around, about about 20 picks uh, in a 15-teamer there. So Zach Plesak obviously had the breakout, drew the ire of his team, rightfully so, for being mm-hmm. a, a selfish clown, uh, but still was an absolute monster once he got back, you know, took his punishment, came back, said... I'm still a badass. Cleveland be, has become a pitching factory. Is he their latest? And do you believe in what Zach Plesak did? 
This is a tough one because <laughs> he kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, I mean, he he had potential. People th- thought he had potential coming into the 2020 season, but I don't think anybody thought he was going to do what he did. I tend to believe in a lot of what he did. Obviously, I mean, the 228 ERA is not going to be sustainable. Sure. But I do think that uh, the gains he made in uh, his command and control will be uh, able to be somewhat replicated. You know, I mean, maybe he doesn't keep it, you know, under a walk, you know, per nine, uh, like he did in 2020. But if he's more of like a two walks per nine in 2020 guy, uh, strikeout, you know, per nine uh, or, you know, nine strikeouts per nine. Um, and I think he could probably pull off like a 340 kind of ERA. Yeah, that's right where Plesak's FIP was. And mm-hmm. the one thing that kind of stood out is the home runs remained a little bit of an issue after a 1-5 in 116 innings last year, he, he has a 1-3 in his 55 innings this year. So you add it all up, it's about a full season, 171 innings, and it's a 1.4 mark. Mm-hmm. So it's a little it's a little high, but uh, I think that part of that is is a trade-off of the walk rate. He's living in the zone a bit and maybe a little bit too hittable. He doesn't have overpowering stuff, but he has good stuff for sure. And uh, yeah, I tend to buy I tend to buy what he was able to do this year. As far as you know, adding the swinging strike rate, shifting his mix to get away from the fastball mm-hmm. and really dive into his slider. I mean, we saw tangible changes behind Plesac's development, and you know, I, I trust Cleveland quite a bit at this point to the to the fact where you know I, I would buy Plesac this high in in the eighties range. Yeah, I mean, it's hard because you're kind of putting him up against some really established guys. So like, I don't think I could take him over Kyle Hendricks. Uh, I think you're, you know, when you start talking about, you know, a guy like Zach Granke or Zach Wheeler, like, I don't know that I can take him over. Actually rank the three Zachs right by each other. I know. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, well, now I can't change that. I mean, even if I wanted to, I'd be like, well, they have to go in unison now. Um, over Grinky, I don't know, man. I think I, I know that every year people bury Grinky, but at some point it's come and due, and I feel like I'm gonna be a year early on him. That's fine at this point, and I'm ready to be out now. Just going forward, everyone else can kind of have him. At age 37, uh, he'll be throwing like. 54 mile an hour fastballs in spring and everyone will freak out. And he'll, 30 mile an hour euphysis. Yeah, and and he'll be fine. Yeah, it's not for me. I would definitely take Plesac over him. Yeah, I don't know that I can do that. And Even I mean, there, I rank there's them that tightly. And and I'm st- I still haven't finished my uh, my starting pitcher ranks just because I've been enjoying the playoffs and uh, really just watching uh, them. But I mean, oh wait, like, no, it was Gallon Plesac and Wheeler. I had Granky. Was a good bit apart. Mm. Uh, they they were 21, 22, 23. Granky was 32. So yeah, easily taking Plesac over Granky. It's just. What about Montas? Um, I had Montas at 31. So he's by Granky, not by the Zacks. Uh, Paddock? You were lower on Paddock. Yeah, Paddock. I mean, get a third pitch guy. 38. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have Plesek much higher than I obviously thought I was going to, but 
Um, I'm probably going to be lower on him than a lot of the industry. Okay. We'll see how it goes. Let's talk about a uh, guy going about around later. Jesus Lazardo, pitcher 94, or uh, pick 94. The young Oakland A uh, was quietly fine. Uh, you know, 412 ERA, 127 whip, strikeout per inning on the button, 59 in 59 innings. Went three and two, you know, got off to a little bit of a, uh, it wasn't necessarily a slow start. It was, it was a little disjointed where he was the, the uh, follower in, in a couple outings mm-hmm. there where he went uh, middle innings, three and three and two thirds, and then jumped in the rotation is from August on. And so was mostly good, really had just one, one particularly bad start. Actually, no, a couple others here. Only four earned runs, but they were in four and two-thirds apiece. Uh, that's the thing, too. You can't just look at earned runs. You have to look at those inning counts because, obviously, guys just don't go as deep anymore. And then this year was even even crazier. I think we still saw plenty of what we like about Jesus Lazaro. If you're a believer, I think you still saw the some of the elements that you really like that would make you want to buy next year. Where do you come out on Lazardo, who is the 30th starter off the board? Oh, I'm... Like part of me, <laughs> I'm very torn on him. Like I watch him pitch and I go, like this is very much Dustin May to me, where it's like, uh, you watch him pitch and you go, oh man, he is nasty. And then, but you look over, at the end result. He's nasty. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, I should be paying attention to who's on the rundown, right? Um, <laughs> but then you look at the results and and you're a little worried about it. Uh. I don't know, man. Uh, difference there, though, is that he's got – Lazardo has more swing and miss. For and sure. in his 71 major league innings, that 13%, he doesn't walk, guys. I mean, the only thing that really got him this year was a 1-4 homer 9. Yeah, and I mean, it was a 1-7 or almost 1-8 homer 9 in the last month. So, it, it's, you know, his last – Bad starts. Yeah. And we will be we'll be in a full season where you know a couple bad starts doesn't hurt quite as much. Exactly. So, I I do worry about like where his price kind of ends up. Like I feel like if he's going in this spot, I'm fine with him. I just I have this feeling that you know maybe a guy like Sixto falls back. Uh, he should. Yeah, because he should. Um, you know, Love maybe Sixto, other guys. But he's colossally overrated mm-hmm. right now. Especially. Which, which I said I couldn't wait to be part of. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I was making jokes during like his good starts. Round, like, yeah. yeah, I can't wait to take him in the second round. So it's like, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong. I, this is not me being like I've always been tepid on Sanchez. <laughs> no, I love him, but Just I can't have stand to, the price. Yeah. yeah, I can't do the price right now, and I I worry it would go up. Don't cry, Henry. Uh, I don't know if you heard Henry crying back there. Won't cry, maybe. But yeah, Lazardo could go up. I could see him holding though, because the folks that he's around, yeah, he may get the the. He's got still got a little bit of the shiny new toy type of aspect to him that could push him up. But look at some of the guys he's around. Like Strasburg, once he's healthy, he's going up. Uh, once it's proven that he's healthy, he's not going at 83. That's why I didn't even put him on the list because talking about him as pick 83, I think, is a waste of our time. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see the the Zacks moving up. All three of them, really. Please, Zach, Granke, and Wheeler. Uh, they could get closer to Gallon, who's all the way up at 16. I could see people getting back in on like Corbin and Paddock. You talked about Hendricks. I don't know. I, I don't think Lazardo's going to move up too, too much. If he doesn't, then I think I'm fine with I, the I price. Not at least. How about that? <laughs> Maybe yeah. that's some wishful thinking. 
Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that we thought wasn't even going to start the season because I can't remember if he got COVID or if he was. was there was, was there was some sort of undisclosed, issue. I believe. Yeah, which means to, he either got COVID or he or he was exposed to someone who got COVID. Yeah. And so, like, I, I'm. I'm not going to, like, overanalyze the numbers. I, You know, watching him pitch, he looks like the guy uh, that we thought he was going to be coming into the year, uh, which was a potential stud. And so I'm still going to draft him like that. Yeah, me too. So I'm I'm in on, on Lazardo. I had him ranked 33. This has him 30th. So I'm right, right in line with the market mm-hmm. right now. If he doesn't jump too much. Um, then obviously it's an it's an easy buy for me with with Jesus Lazardo. Let's talk about Dustin May. He's going pick 128. That puts him around the 38th starter. I cannot do that. Um, I I see I see you know the gifts. I, I get it. He's the gift king as uh, Nick calls him. But I I have him 51st because he just doesn't have a swing and miss pitch right now. And that's what you need to really go to the next level, particularly in fantasy. So while that two-seamer is disgusting at 100 with sick movement, it's not generating swings and misses. 8% whiff rate uh, in his 90 and two-thirds as a major leaguer, generating a 21% strikeout rate. So, yeah, he doesn't walk, guys. and He can be difficult to square up. 298 ERA, 109 whip. You love the ratios. You love the team context. Well, you love the team context in that they're good. You might not like the team context in that the role can bounce around too. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I think he's going to have a playoff tax too. I think he's going to go higher. And so I will not have Dustin May next year. What do you think? Oh, I I, I tend to agree with you, and I also worry about the Dodgers just having a plethora of riches in the rotation, and if they decide that maybe he's going to be a follower like he has been in the playoffs. Um, and I know they'll use five starters and and all that, but they'll also get David Price back, who yeah. is owed, what, $32 million next year. So he's in the rotation. Like one of Gonsolin or May is on the outside looking in right now, no? And I would assume it's May because Gonsolin's been the starter in the, in the playoffs and yeah, May's been kind of the follower. Kershaw, Bueller, Urias, Price, Gonsolin, May. That's six. And listen. And and you, that can will work itself out. You at need some more point than six injuries. over yeah. the course of a season mm-hmm. anyway. But going in, you know, you're paying top dollar here for May. And uh, speaking of Gonsolin, I mean, he's he's way down the list. Mm-hmm. And so between the two, uh, you know, you got Gonsolin down at 170 as the as the 50th Give pitcher. I'd certainly all. rather yeah. buy him. Yeah, yeah, I'll, 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 I'd much rather buy Gonsolin than 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 May. Um, Again, it comes down to a lack of swing and miss pitch for me right now, and until he develops a breaking ball that consistently yeah. gets the whiffs, I I have a hard Wouldn't time. Would you rather have Urias? Of course. Yeah, I just, I mean, I'd rather have Urias. I'd rather have you know Ian Anderson going behind him, uh, your boy Savali going behind him. You know, like you said, Gonsolin going behind him. Andrew Heaney going behind him. Yeah, there's just a number of guys I think that I would push above Dustin May. Yeah, and, and it's and again, I think he moves up from here. Now mm-hmm. I will point out 13 strikeouts and 10 and two thirds during the playoffs. He is generating some more whiffs. Um, I'd have to deep dive to see if that's been you know the curveball or, or or the cutter. 
but the, but the sinker, as great as it is to uh, to look at on on Pitching Ninja, it's not a swing and miss pitch. So um, the the gifts look great, but they don't deliver the fantasy upside that that we think they do. So the yeah, height, that isn't a roto category. No, pitching no. gifts. Yeah, gif ability is not a category, and hype does not uh, does not generate fantasy results. So. You know, if you if you throw him up even higher than this 128, which again I think the playoffs will do, then I'm fully out on Dustin May. So we'll see how it goes with the development, and um, I could see a I could see a future with him, but I don't think it's 2021. You mentioned Ian Anderson and his playoff. Oh my God, he's gonna go up too. He's at 131. Oh, yeah. His playoff is gonna send him upward. Where's it gonna put him? He he gave up what one earned run, two earned runs or something uh, when it was all said and done. 18 and two thirds with just two earned runs, 24 strikeouts, good for a .96 ERA and a 1.113 WHIP. Add on to that six starts in the in the regular season with a 195 ERA, 108 WHIP, and 41 strikeouts in 32 and a third. Ian Anderson looks great, completely developed. Uh, you know, came up developed, not completely developed. That's a little bit overstatement on such a small sample, but came up ready to go. We've been waiting for one of these. Uh, Braves prospects to be ready off rip. You know, we've seen Kyle Wright, Bryce Wilson wasn't working. Ian Anderson comes up. He's the guy. Where do you come out on him? And are you willing to pay the, uh, pay the tax? Cause I think you're going to have to pay something right around top 100 for him after it's all said and done. Yeah. Top 100 puts him as a, probably about a top 30 starter. And I, I think I'm here for that. Okay. I've been, I mean, I was just super impressed by him. Uh, he was he's just he was just so good in in the regular season and then was even better in the playoffs you know you worry a little bit about the walk rate but he's also been a guy that has you know outside of his triple a uh 24 inning stretch at the end of 2019 like he just doesn't give up home runs like that is just not part of his game uh, and so he can get away with walking guys because he's not going to, you know, give up the huge damage. Yep. Um, and, I mean, he's just, you know, 12% swing and strike rate, getting guys uh, to chase out of the zone. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like Excellent changeup. I love yeah. the three-pitch mix. A, a, a young pitcher with a changeup, I'm a sucker for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm all about Ian Anderson as a top 30 pitcher next year. I had him super low, 74 in my first run. Can already tell you folks that he's moved up. Yeah. He's came out on September 29th. I hadn't seen the playoffs. I hadn't really seen him that much in the regular season. And so, you know, I, he's way too low, obviously. I think he's moving up at least 30 spots into the top 50, and then and then I'll go from there. Came away really impressed with him actually sitting down and getting to watch him know and then diving further into – uh, his arsenal and everything. So I like Ian Anderson. And he even gave with up the, one home run. Yeah, all year. Yeah, and it was in this first outing against the Yankees. So and even then, with the tax, I think it was to Luke Voigt too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, like, come on, giving up a home run to him is no I big mean, deal. Everybody does that. I, yeah. I've given up home runs to That's Luke true. Voigt. You have. I mean, and you pitch, you usually keep the ball in the yard, but you gave up a home run to him. Mm-hmm. So it well, happens. because I can't get it to the plate. <laughs> Uh, let's talk about David Price. He briefly mentioned him coming back. Pick 154. He's going to come back, go right in the rotation, obviously. Like that, I don't see any anything else beyond that. He sat out due to COVID. Um, you know, he did the opt out 
he didn't have COVID, at least that we know of. He just mm-hmm. opted out. Um, he was, I mean, he's perfectly solid. Like he's not superstar, but uh, anymore, but he's perfectly solid. He's gonna be 35 next year, coming off a season where he had a 28% strikeout rate, 7% walk, 11% swinging strike, 428 ERA, 131 WHIP uh, was a little bit much. I think the BABIP though at 336 was pushing mm-hmm. that hit rate higher than we should have expected. I kind of look toward his fit, 362, and then even 402 and 364 and 360, the three years before that. I, I think that's where I'm at. I'm, I'm kind of looking at that mid threes, uh, mid to high threes ERA with a solid whip, good strikeout rate for David Price. That's what I'm paying for if I go for him. And in the in the 150s range, I mean, that's you know just inside the top 45 pitchers. Are you paying that? I think I am. I'm actually a bit surprised he is that high up. Like I, I would have thought he would have been one of those guys people forgot about. I, I, I would have thought so too, and I was kind of hoping it. This still plays like that though a bit, you know, as pitcher 45. I still feel like he's he's lower than he should be based on his talent. But I thought maybe he'd be somewhere in the 50s, 60s among starters, just because he missed a whole season and he's gonna be 37. Well, we'll he is. Where, I mean, he's 45th among starters. Yeah, I thought he'd be in the 50s or 60s range. Oh, oh, you thought? Oh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah I thought, um, I thought he'd be even lower. But I, I'll, I'll pay this. If he's in, like, it, if he's already starting here and he looks healthy coming to spring, like he's gonna get pushed up, right? Like, to a degree. That, that becomes a problem for me. To a degree, I don't think he. I, I think his max would be around pick 130. I think he's got 20 spots of movement. That's about it. The hard part is projecting where we think his innings are going to be. Because, I mean, last three seasons, we're looking at uh, 74 and two-thirds, 176, and then 107 and a third. And then he takes a whole season off. So you could be like, well, he took the whole season off. He's probably, he's definitely healthy coming into the year. But can he go 200 after a whole year off and the previous season only about a hundred innings. And, you know, then you kind of ask the, you know, questions I was asking about Garrett Richards coming into uh, 2020, which is the Dodgers have him for one year. Are they going to just turn him just loose? Gonna, yeah, they're just going to turn him loose and say, Hey, your arm falls off. That's the next guy's problem. <laughs> Rude. <laughs> Could could be though. Could be like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna lean on we're gonna lean on you and see what we can get. I I, I could see that with David Price, but I, I'm I'm inclined to pay. I was I was buying him this year, excited about too. him as a Dodger. Got burned like real said, hard by him opting out. Yeah, it it was it was brutal. I don't think the market's gonna go crazy. I, I like I said, I don't I think, think about really 20 crazy. picks of mobility upward is about the max I see. I just don't see folks getting too excited for a 37 year old. Who's uh, like you said, whose innings are coming down anyway. So I'm down to pay pretty much anywhere where I think he's going to be, which I believe is going to be the 40th starter or later. Let's move on to Shohei Otani. This should be fun to deal with this year, <laughs> as it is always. Always um, pick 168. You know, came back from TJ doing the two two way thing. Had two god awful starts. They said, all right, forearm strain. You're done pitching. Full time hitter. That was supposed to kind of be the salvation of like, well, at the very least, he'll be a full-time hitter. Well, then everything cratered there, too. He still had seven homers and seven steals, which was nice, but the the, the Babbitt fell apart 
and he ended up posting um, just a 190, 291, 366 line with a 229 Babbitt dragging that average big time and really kind of kind of tanking him because I mean yeah the seven over seven steals fine but there was points there where you, you really couldn't keep him in your roster and then for like mid September he wasn't even playing every day because the emergence of Jared Walsh mm-hmm. so it was Walsh and Pujols playing over him. So what do you do with Otani? Apparently they're still going to go with the two-way. So what, what what are you doing with him? Man, it's so hard. Like at 168, the 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 implied odds for stealing a poker <laughs> uh, uh, make it that you want to try to take the the shot. Like I mean, because if he's gonna play uh, both ways, like the upside is enormous. Uh, especially in, in daily moves leagues. Um, but, like, my brain tells me just stay away. It It's... See, that's not what my brain tells me. My brain tells me, get him again. <laughs> no, that's your heart. That's your heart. It's, um... Yeah, no, I'm... I'm probably going to end up with him on a, a few teams just because I see the upside. But, I like... In, in an NFBC league, it becomes so difficult to use them in weekly formats or, you know, the, you know, Friday switches. It just becomes so difficult, uh, especially if we're worried about the health. I will say and, this. Obviously, I took an L this year because he didn't even – the hitting did not uh, back him up. I feel confident, though, that if this had been a six-month season and the same thing happens where the hitting – or the pitching I think, yeah, falls I think apart, turned it around. I think he would have gotten going. Um, so to that end, I'm still pretty confident in Otani because I know I can I can get uh, I can get that hitting back up. And you see the seven homers and the seven steals, and you know you can extrapolate that, shave a little bit off, so it's not just a raw extrapolation. You have to be careful doing that. You're still talking about somebody though who would have been delivering upper teens of both categories. And again, that's if he doesn't even get it going. If he gets it going, I think he's a 25-25 easy, if not a 30-30 potential. I still really like the talent, and you're right. It is my heart that makes me want to keep picking him. But at this, it, the price is starting to come down a little bit, too. I've been paying the exorbitant price. Now, as the market cools on him, rightfully so, with Otani, I'm going to stay bought in. I'm not going to run the other way and say, well, I've been burned. I'm out. I still think that that backup of, of the hitting is there for you if the pitching flops again? And yeah, I think I'm just gonna project him as a hitter. I, I like I don't think I'm even gonna. Should I they mean, relieve him? Should he be? Should he just be a reliever? I think so, personally. Um, I, I'm starting. Honestly, to think I think they should just make him a hitter. Well, just make him a hitter. Like he, he's just so valuable. I agree. like I understand he would be a superstar. But yeah. you have to consider the player. He signed with them uh, partly on the promise of being able to do the two-way. And they're going to stick with that, I think, at least one more year. So if that's the case, do you at least try to compromise with them and say, okay, we're going to keep you as the two-way, but can you relieve three times a week instead of you know, the one start a week? It doesn't inherently keep you healthy, by the way, either. I think sometimes no. – the fantasy community overrates that aspect. Shar and Henry are talking. Shar doesn't want to take Otani. Henry thinks that he's still really good. Yeah, I mean, I wish, I wish, yeah, and I wish they would just, you know, say, hey, you're, you're, and part of the problem is like team construct too, right? I mean, they've yes. got a good offense, and what they're lacking is starting and relief 
relief pitching. So, like, I think if they had, if they had, like, a stacked bullpen or they had, you know, in a stacked rotation, we wouldn't be having this discussion. He would be Otani the hitter. But because the team... Easily just go full hitter, yep. Yeah, because the team can use him or, you know, really wants to use him. Desperately needs him is what you mean to say. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, We're still having this discussion, but... Yeah, I, I think he's going to bounce back as a hitter. I, I do. Yeah. Like that, that, and, That's the part I'm really confident in, and that's why I'll still pay for Otani. And, and I think that's the right answer. Yeah, and, like and, and the, at that price. Now, he, there will be – the second he comes in on spring and looks halfway decent, be the price, price will jump up. Yeah. How high do you think it will go, though? Like, let's just say comes in, throws – makes all of his starts, makes all of his benchmarks of hitting the pitches and everything, hits a couple homers – how high from from this 168? How high do you really think Otani could go? Mm, well, let's see where he was going in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational this year because I think he'll probably just go right back there. And I don't think it, that was he was going 106. I know I was I was interested. I in I, I had him in the Fantasy <laughs> Baseball Invitational. One of the reasons my team was very middle of the pack. Um, so I think I would be willing I had to him too. take him. Yeah, that's where I had him. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think like 125 is the right spot. Yeah. As a high end, that, I'm mm-hmm. cool with that. And that would put him as the 37th starter in between Montas and Marco Gonzalez. Yeah. I But like I said, like I, I want to, I'm, I'm hoping to just use him as a hitter. Yeah. And the beauty of him as a as a hitter is that speed, man, along with the pop. Like, he's a legit just badass hitter, and that's the thing. If, you know, if something happens in spring, I don't want him to be hurt, but if something happens in spring where it's like, oh, the arm's still not ready, and they just say, okay, fine, you're not pitching 100% in 2021, and we know that in March, I'd pay like a top 50 pick for him. I'm not even kidding. I mean, like, even if we say, like, like just projecting out – like, obviously, you can't do that. People don't have to, you know, put it in the comments and stuff like that. Um, but, like, even if he played 138 games as a hitter, which would be triple what he played this year, I mean, a guy who could go 21-21. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that was when he hit 190 we as well. Not, yeah, we know he's not going to hit 190. Like, these are the perfect guys, typically, for me, where I go – the batting average either has a large amount of variance or is going to bounce back. And if he's a guy who hits like 275 and goes 21-21, I mean, we're talking about a second, third round pick in terms of a hitter. Let's look at his let's look at his 162 average even. And we're not just extrapolating the 2020 season for Otani. We're looking at all three years as a hitter. He's a like a 30-20 guy hitting 269. That's pretty nice. And you know he's probably not going to play a buck sixty-two as a hitter, um, unless something like that does happen in in spring where they say okay, pitching is fully off the table. But like I said, to me that's a top fifty pick at that point. But I mean, like I said, like one thirty-eight. I think that's a probably a pretty good. Yeah, that is good. That is a good uh, bar of of game count somewhere in the yeah. one thirty to one forty range. Bottom line is we're in on Otani primarily as a hitter, and if we can get something pitching-wise, great. But frankly, if we continue to move closer to where it's like he's going to be just a full-time hitter, 
I'm okay with that. Like I, I, there's part of me that is very hesitant in, you know, saying I'm in on Tawny, but like the more and more you think about it, the more and more you go, you know, the numbers dictate he probably should be, especially if that, if that's the price. Yeah, exactly. And if the price doesn't skyrocket, makes it even easier. I know this is a pitching one and we talked mostly about his hitting, but that's just kind of the way it is with Otani. He can go either way. <laughs> Speaking of buying back in, I can't wait to get hurt again by Joe Musgrove. <laughs> Love it. Uh, the interesting thing is, this was his best season yet. Now, obviously, it was eight starts, so it's like, uh, what are we talking about here? But Joe Musgrove's guy I've been very much in on. We've spoken glowingly of him on this pod. He misses all of August uh, after three bad starts to open the year. He had a 675 ERA. Uh coming out of the f- those first three starts with uh, four homers allowed, 11 walks, and 14 and two. There's did have 17 strikeouts, but it was like, ay, ay, ay. and he's on Pittsburgh. You're like, what are you doing? He was hitting waiver wires without a mm-hmm. doubt. Comes back in September and closes brilliantly. Three, uh, three shutout outings of four, six, and seven innings. And then a couple runs in, in the other two there, a, a three-inning, two-run outing against the Cubs. That was his first one back, so you understand why it was a little shortened. Um, he pitched pretty well, though, two, four strikeouts, only three hits. You know, two runs in three innings is whatever, but the, the skills behind it I like. And then a uh, at Cincinnati, Cincinnati adding, outing, excuse me, four earned in five, but eight strikeouts and one walk. So you love the strikeout to walk. Ends up being 38 strikeouts and five walks and 25 innings down the stretch. I'm back in, baby. Can't wait. What do you think of Phil Musgrove? Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm back in too. Like I, actually, I, I can't even say I'm back in. Like I never left. I never left either. Yeah. yeah. I didn't even leave this past year. In fact, yeah. I kept him on the two teams where I did have him. I picked him up in one of my shower leagues. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it didn't help me unfortunately with his with his big surge at the end. But yeah, I I never left is is the real thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, we'll we'll be we'll be back promoting him yet again. And here's yeah. the thing. I think even with a lot of promotion his price is just not going to get pushed up to a cost prohibitive standpoint as far yeah. as I'm concerned. Even if we are aggressively talking him up, what what's the max he's going to go as being part of the freaking pirates, like 160 something that's yeah. pitcher 45. Okay. I'm still, Joe pe- Musgrove I'm still or that. David price, Joe Musgrove. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm just calling Joe. We're homies. Yeah. This is you Joe know him. Me. Yeah. yeah. I call him Joseph. Just it's yeah, more a little bit more formal with him. Yeah. Uh, it's a little fun thing that you guys do. Mm-hmm. Um, and he calls you by your 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 Justinian. government name, <laughs> Justinian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he calls you well, your last name. He calls you by your your government name. So you guys yes. you guys have a little thing going on. But, uh, I mean, but yeah, dude. He, his numbers when he came back from injury. So his last five starts, uh, two sixteen ERA, thirty eight strikeouts in twenty five innings. Is that good? Yeah, and like his FIP and XFIP were better than his ERA. That's what but, happens when you're striking he, out guys like that, and he doesn't walk guys. It a 55% ground ball rate. Oh, I love it. I really, like, I really do. And like, um, yeah, I mean, 28. I just, I just still believe. And the one thing I've always talked about with Musgrove, and the reason that I feel like he's always been a bit underrated, is this weird phenomenon where um, if you have a great WHIP. Or, or like a very good whip, but a mediocre ERA, you get dinged more than if it's the reverse. If you have a mm-hmm. three-something ERA, 
you inherently get some love, even if it comes with like a 135 whip. What up, Robbie Ray? Um, <laughs> I mean, even worse this year. But, you know, even when Robbie Ray was good, that's kind of what he was. Musgrove puts up a 444 ERA. Oh, he sucks with a 122 whip, which is pretty good. And then the year before was 406, 118. And so I still think he's got the arsenal to miss bats. We started to see it this year. That's exactly what I was looking for. Only eight starts, but I think it was just the beginning, and it was backed up by his arsenal and the improved swing and miss. And finally, Justin, using the fastball less. He cut that fastball rate down to 39% poured it into the off-speed stuff, namely the curveball and the strikeouts. Uh, the strikeouts came in, and I loved it. So, yeah, Joe Musgrove, we're in. We're in even if he's more expensive. I doubt he's going to be that much more expensive. Let's talk about the pitcher going at 218 – or, excuse me, 216, pitcher 61, Nate Pearson. Now, you know the fantasy community was going to drop him uh, because he didn't come out and pitch like Cy Young. Um I thought they might have killed him even more, though, to be honest. I'm kind of surprised that he's actually still holding a relatively reasonable slot 61. I mean, it's still pretty low based on on the hype that Nate Pearson had. But uh, I would have thought after a 60 RA, 1.50 whip in his 18 innings that he would be persona non grata and like pitcher 200. (laughs) The way the fantasy market can react to prospects who don't hit immediately. Mm -hmm. What do you think of Pearson after this uh, tiny sample of – pretty poor work let's let's be honest let's not sugarcoat it it was poor but it was 18 innings so what do you think about Mm -hmm. it i i'm willing to kind of give him a pass in terms of the poor work especially i mean he was pretty decent when he in in those first two starts uh you know then he starts you know struggling uh deals with injury uh comes back only does what an inning two-thirds that's the thing. He never got his footing. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of willing to give him a pass. And at 216, like I think there's just so much profit potential, and there's no reason to have to hold him if he's awful in the first month. So I'm, I think, uh, I mean, at this price, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to take a shot. Yeah, I think that's a good call out too about not having to, you know, go down with the ship if things don't pan out immediately. I think he's now become somebody to target with Nate Pearson because of the upside still being there. In mm-hmm. fact, that happened with a lot of the uh, high high prospects who didn't really pan out. Casey Mize in Detroit, he's even cheaper, uh, way down at pick 284. Mm-hmm. And so it makes him easier to invest in. You're not overly taxed. Michael Kopech opted out, so he's down at 272. A uh, guy I'm going to talk about here in a moment at, at 278. So, yeah, I think you can get in on some of these guys. You're not paying an exorbitant tax, and I, and I love that. So um, mm-hmm. I think Nate Pearson, I think he'll move up with a big spring, but I don't think it'll become cost prohibitive because he's not moving up like, you know, 80 picks, I don't believe. I'd, I'd be surprised if he did anything in spring. It would have to be a pretty flawless spring. I guess there is a path where, you know, He's striking out everybody and and giving up like two runs and everyone just starts zipping him up the board, but I I I don't think he'll go higher than I don't know what 150. No. That'd, be, that'd be a nice. If he's going 150, then I'm gonna start not being in. <laughs> well, what if like if he's going that 150, would, that's the David Price, Aaron Savali. Yes, but I'm saying area that would be because of like an elite spring. Would would a reason behind it not even 
not even inspire you at all? I don't if think it's just, it would. If, if it's just on helium alone, no. But if it's like he's having the Chris Paddock spring training. What was his know. injury? I don't remember. I can look it up while we're uh, while we're going here. Let me see. My fear is it was elbow related, and that's gonna be. Oh yeah, serious. I think you're right. Yeah. And so, right. yeah, no, if he starts pushing up there, because then we're talking about him going over Tony Gonsolin, uh, going over Andrew Heaney. Yeah, right elbow, strain flexor. Yeah. Hey, this is what I'm saying, though. I think that's the peak. That's the, like, mm-hmm. worst case scenario as far as wanting to invest in him. I think that's the absolute, and that would be the late drafts. Any mm-hmm. draft that you do before, like, mid to late March. I think you're definitely getting Pearson in this in this late 100s, early 200s range. And so it's worth taking a shot, hoping he's healthy and just seeing what you can get. Um, I, I, I'm not going to be overloaded on him, but I'm definitely going to have I'm a, I'm, a little, I'm a little something. I'm a little something with him. Um, all right. That's it. As far as where those guys are going, let's talk about post 250. And uh, let's just start with Mitch Keller. Guy was just hinted at pick 278. Pitcher 79, uh, that's pretty dang late. Jeez. Pitcher 79, Mitch Keller, you know, had that disastrous debut. And it was so disjointed where the start was either excellent or awful. Mm -hmm. Literally nothing in between. It was so bizarre. Comes back this year, puts up a 291 ERA, 125 whip. But the skills were disjointed. 16 strikeouts, 18 walks. So it's like, what the hell do you go off of with him? It's so it's so bizarre what we're dealing with here. I'm still in, though. Add it all up, and it's 69 innings, 69 and two-thirds. Nice. nice. With a 581 ERA and a 165 whip. That doesn't inspire you, but I like the, I like the 81 strikeouts. I'm nervous about the walks, uh, 34 of them in the 69 innings. So that's high. But he had an eight-walk outing to end the season. That's doing some heavy lifting there when your sample is so small. <laughs> you know that was five innings of no-hit ball when he had eight walks? Mm-hmm. Pretty weird. So I He also there's... didn't allow it in his previous start. His BABIP from when he came back for his last three starts was zero. <laughs> oh, yeah. The only two hits he allowed were homers. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, 14 innings, four runs. And uh, 14 walks, 13 strikeouts in those 14 innings. Very bizarre stuff. Going to be 25, though. I think, you know, he's going to be a little bit forgotten. And I'm here to buy Mitch Keller. So I'm going to end up with two Pirates on a lot of teams. And I don't I don't know how I feel about that um, as far as the two Pirates. Hit. I'm actually going to end up with three Pirates because I'm going to have a lot of Cabrian Hayes, too. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to lose because I have 18 billion Pirates. But I do like Mitch Keller. How do you feel about him? It sounds like you're building like a contrarian DFS deck right yeah. now for your season right? team. So, uh, I mean, I like Mitch Keller a lot. I'm going to throw out a, a huge portion of uh, 2020. I mean, you know, aside from the regular craziness of having to get ramped up, ramping down, ramping back up, then he gets injured. He only had five outings uh, this year, and three of them. Uh, at the end of the year, I, I just think so much was crazy for a young kid that uh, I'm kind of going to throw out a lot of, of 2020 and just uh, really kind of dig into the, the 2019 numbers again, which really had me excited about him. And considering where he's going, yeah, I think you just take the, the gamble that he's able to take a huge step forward. Yeah, um, I, like I said, I'm in. 
uh, it's, it's kind of easy for me to go ahead and say, uh, let's take a shot at this price here. Another mm-hmm. guy I mentioned was Casey Mize. And again, too cheap not to take a shot, 284. And we're seeing, we talk about it a bunch on this pod about how if a prospect doesn't come out and hit the ground running, the market completely tanks on them. And that's when mm-hmm. you and I swoop in. And yep. Casey Mize was not particularly special. He's also on the Tigers. I'm just going to have all these terrible team players with Pirates and Tigers. <laughs> but, uh, I'm in. You know, I was really impressed with a lot of what he was able to do. He had, he did have a 6.99 ERA, uh, which is obviously too nice. high, <laughs> but 26 <laughs> strikeouts and 28 and a third. I think we saw a lot of the strikeout capability that people wondered, what's it going to be like with him? Is he going to be one of those guys that's kind of uh, more ratios and volume than strikeouts, or can he miss bats? And I think we saw him miss bats at a, at a fair enough clip. Uh, it's still not something that's overwhelming. But as an opening salvo, I was pretty impressed. If he can add to that and develop further uh, for Mize with the slider, uh, or excuse me, with the uh, with the cutter and the and the splitter, I think we could see even more strikeouts. I think we could push that swinging strike rate up near 12% and start to deliver about a strikeout per inning in the 24 to 26% range. So I'm in on the 24-year-old. I don't think he's overpriced, and uh, I don't think there's much that would send him. Uh, much higher than that, especially being on the Tigers. How do you feel about Casey Mize after his debut? I think just the price is too good. I think he's one of those got a really nice dart throw at the end. You have to assume since they they brought him up uh, in season that there's no reason for them not to start with him at the top of the rotation. I mean, I think he's a lot like you know Tarek Skubal, where like the price is so low that. Um, it's worth worth the shot. So yeah, I might have a few tigers on my yeah. team as well. Scooble definitely throw throw him in the mix too because he had even better strikeout upside too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you like him just as much, if not better, based on the fact that he's even cheaper. Let me see where 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 was he going? Wait, is he listed under RPs? Some guys get listed weirdly by uh, by fan tracks. So let me see if I can find Scooble real quick. Pardon me on this. Uh, yeah, 285. Oh, he's just yeah. listed as P. And Smata <laughs> has SPRP, and then there's no section for, for poor mm-hmm. Scooble under P. But yeah, pick 285. Come on, that's easy peasy there. So yeah. I like Scooble as well. Let's get into some of the guys that you like, including uh, a guy that I've also been in on, and I don't really have any reason to jump off the Dylan Cease train at 283. He's right there with Scooble and Mize. Talk to me about Dylan Cease and what you saw from him this past year. I mean, the walks are a problem. <laughs> a little bit. You could say that. You think five and a half walks an inning or, uh, per nine is a problem? Dang. You, you know, tough grader. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, that's terrible. But um, he's still got a 401 ERA. So how did, how did he survive with that? Because obviously, the strikeouts came down, too. Any concern there? No, I don't. I, I think the strikeouts will end up being fine. And uh, obviously you can't just like pick and choose which section of the season we're going to use. But if we did, um, like before those last two starts, he had a 3.16 ERA. Like he was he was cruising, um, you know. And that's I mean, there's obviously walk issues, there's obviously home run issues. But from a pure stuff perspective, uh, I'm just so intrigued with the upside there on Dylan Cease that I'm gonna. I'll dip back in again. I'm ready. You know, this is very much, you know, like Joe Musgrove where I'm ready to be hurt again. So, uh, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of concern with like the O swing 
you know, uh, kind of shrinking a little bit and, uh, you know, dip in the swinging strike rate. I, I'm still willing to kind of bet on the stuff and hope that he figures out the command. If not, he'll end up being a pretty effective reliever. Yeah, I, I see that too. And obviously they're they're working with two guys right now who kind of put up a shut up time with, with Cease mm-hmm. and Reynaldo Lopez. I think Reynaldo Lopez should already go into the bullpen. Maybe he's their closer next year. And I'm I'm only i I'm only half getting on that. Um he certainly I think should. he would be a, just a, a really, really good multi inning guy. I, I agree. I agree. It's it seems obvious, but it, it like it has to happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I like your next guy here too. I almost listed it myself, Davy Garcia, another prospect who um is not being overly taxed and that's particularly surprising because he's a uh he's a yankee mm-hmm. and there's definitely a yankee tax in in the fantasy market their guys go higher and and davy cruz uh davy garcia damn it i called him davy cruz <laughs> when i talked about my on my stream one time i literally called him cruz the entire night and the chat just started pointing it out every time they're like oh cool Cool, the Tigers shortstop, the Tigers utility fielder's back. That's awesome. Uh, but he, he did pretty well. I'm actually surprised that he's so cheap. 498 ERA, 119 whip, and 33 strikeouts and 34 and a third. And yet he's still super, super cheap here mm-hmm. at pick 282. Talk to me a bit about Davey Garcia. Yeah, I mean, the home runs were obviously an issue, and it could continue to be an issue inside of Yankee Stadium. But... I mean, I think he, he's got just a ton of talent in that arm. My biggest concern with him is can he hold up for, you know, a full season? And we assume, you know, very much like Scooble and Mize that if the Yankees brought him up for 34 innings this year, they're obviously going to put him in the rotation this season. So my, yeah, my biggest question is not about the skills at all. I, I think he... I think it was really impressive that his walk rate was one five seven, like that. You know, per nine, that's really really impressive for a young kid. Um, you know, maybe he needs to maybe be okay with the walks coming up a little bit and not giving up the bad home run. Mm-hmm. Uh, but ultimately, you know, I'm going to bank on some talent. And at this late, I mean, what two eighty two? Like that is just. A steal, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if he doesn't pan out, you just move on to the next guy. You make a great point about the durability piece, though. You know, he's 5'9", 163 listed. It's really small. It's hard to hold up to the rigors of a full season with that. Uh, He would be an outlier for sure. And -hmm. I definitely think that that's a viable concern. But at this price, I'm I'm just with you. I'm 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 ready to uh, I'm I'm ready to take a shot there. He's a guy I'm willing to invest in short term, but like dynasty leagues probably someone I'd be looking to sell. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's completely fair, especially, you know, if you can't sell him in the off season, but then he gets off to a hot start, I think then you mm-hmm. try to cash in uh, off the totally top there. Agree. Yeah. Uh, now, speaking of smaller guys and one who has been an outlier to make it work is Marcus Stroman. And he opted out uh, due to the COVID season because he had, we had a family member, an extended family member who was at risk and he didn't want to take and that. He in, passed uh, the threshold so he could be a free agent. There you go. So, and like he knew he was going to be able to go into free agency. Um, so he is going to be, you know, coming off of a nothing, you know, not having a season going into free agency, but he's just solid. You know, he's not a, a superstar, uh, particularly in fantasy because he hasn't missed a ton of bats, but he's just really solid. 
Good at, good ratios generally. He had that weird year in 18, 554 ERA and a 148 whip, but he had a 391 FIP that year. So even that was like the Babbitt pushing the 10, uh, the 10.1 hits per nine. Doesn't miss a ton of bats, but did start to miss some with the Mets. Changed the pitch mix a little bit, boosted the strikeout rate up to one per nine, uh, or excuse me, one per nine, one per inning there. And if that holds, that kind of changes who Stroman is. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about uh, what you like about Stroman. And do you have any early inkling on where he might go? I know it's wide open, so I'm not going to hold you to anything. Yeah, I mean, I have no idea where he's going to end up. And where he ends up will determine kind of his uh, his stock. Uh, so, I mean, the, the thing is, like, at 333, there's just no downside. Like, it just, I mean, he's he's virtually free. Uh, I mean, he was forgotten about in these drafts in the same way that David Price was. The question is, like, where will he end up, especially with the weird market uh, that's going to, you know, kind of come, you know, maybe there's a team like the Yankees that could use some rotation stabilization, uh, and he might be a good fit for a, for a team like that. I just think that he's a guy that, he he's a high floor, low ceiling kind of guy. And while that is rarely the target late for a lot of people, for me, I love it if I've taken some risk exactly. earlier on. All know? these other guys that we've talked about here, he Stroman pairs well with them. You take mm-hmm. Mitch Keller and Casey Mize, get a Stroman to balance it out. I also think that these guys can have value in shallower leagues too, though. Yep. You don't always have to just go for the the massive upside play because here's the thing too when you take those upside plays sometimes they burn you before you cut them too they give you three god awful starts that you then have to start chiseling back down from it's not always just like oh well they gave me a couple good starts and I moved on no 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 sometimes it's burn city and then you have to make up for the damage that they left behind so I like a guy like Stroman um, be careful He's now guaranteed this is, innings I mean yeah yeah outside of 2018. He, you know, his previous, you know, three of his last four seasons, he's had 184 innings or more. Like, that's a lot when you're considering, you know, in 2019 and 2017, he had a 309 and a 376 ERA. He is one of those guys that I was talking about earlier, though, where the ERA the whip, whip yeah. yeah, the whip is high. And the ERA, um, oftentimes being more appealing, is what uh, it, that, that's kind of what drives his curb appeal as far as wanting mm-hmm. to buy in on Stroman. So make sure that you're you're planning for it. But if you're taking Musgrove, the two pair really well together. I think mm-hmm. they're going to give you about about uh, you know 350 total innings there. So uh, I'm I'm in there. I like that call out. Now Garrett Richards. <laughs> the last two guys are just like about not being able to quit. Now, I, yeah, yeah. I, I can't do the last guy, but Garrett Richards, I I'm not really out on because I thought he was he was perfectly solid this year. We thought he, they were going to turn him loose, though, but they moved him to the bullpen late. And we thought that with San Diego having him for just the one year, they were going to they were going to pedal to the metal with it. But uh, he ended up shifting to the bullpen, gets 51 in the third innings, 403 ERA, 125 whip. 46 strikeouts in those 51 and a third. Talk to me about Garrett Richards. Again, not going to hold you to anywhere where he's going to go because we have no idea. I assume what he's can you reasonably to a, expect? I assume he's going to go to a place that will let him start. Like he's like this is like probably a guy who's going to get a one-year contract, do the Kevin Gosman thing, uh, you know, pick his spot very carefully. 
uh, and and try to recoup kind of some value. And I, if he does that, if he goes to a spot that's not going to just shift him into the bullpen because they're stacked everywhere like they are in San Diego, like I think that he's going to offer a ton of strikeouts, you know, good whip, a good ERA, and you're going to be pretty happy with this just obscenely low price at 378. Yeah, that that that's the thing too, and I'm I'm pretty much in because of that with Garrett Richards, you know, long-time believer. But you're going to have to try to sell me on Carmart, man. I'm I'm not <laughs> I'm I'm not in on that. I'm just I'm just not in on that. I know it's 352. I know, I know it's a, it's like, okay, just look at the price. Yeah, but what am I getting for that price? Like, I, the role uncertainty, the, the performance uncertainty. I'm willing to pass, give him a pass on, on yeah, 20 like innings he, of trash. So, like, you know, got COVID, was in the hospital yeah. with COVID. You know, this we, was a disaster it, year. Throw that yeah, out. Yeah, like That's completely fine. throw it out. But what's he going to do next year? He's like, what, what, never what? had a season with an ERA over 364. He's well, a strikeout and inning guy. He had, he had the 89 innings of a 403 back in uh, 2014. 2014. Okay. I'm, but, yeah, but okay. From 2015 to 2019. It's been a long while of quality work. But what role is he going to have? Because if he shifts back to starter, he has 68 innings the last two years combined. How many innings can I reasonably expect? He's another small guy. If you're listed at six feet, that means you're 5'10. So, you know, he's a smaller guy. This is true. Um, I, I, I'm listed up? at six feet on the Fangraphs roster. So, yeah, and we and we know we know you're fudging it. I said you could fudge it. Go ahead, that's mm-hmm. fine. I'm also so, listed at like 195 in terms of weight. <laughs> that's accurate. Yeah, that's accurate. Yeah, I'm, sure. I'm, I'm I'm good with that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what can we realistically expect from him innings? Like, do you think he's there closer? Do you think Carmart, I think he's in the rotation? Okay, then does he go back to the 200 innings? He's done it twice. Uh, I'll give him credit. You know, two, 195. We'll, we'll call that. Let, let's call it one. Let's say 150. 150 of okay. like, like let, let's give him his career numbers. So just under a strikeout inning, 351 ERA. It pick 352. You take the upside. Sure, sure. That's not uh, that's not out of bounds to go 351, 129 for 150 innings with a strikeout per inning. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. I, I just He's think also, he's going to start piling up though. That's my concern. I mean, don't worry about the health. I'm not. I'm not as. I mean, at like I said, at three three fifty two, like it's well worth the price, and um, they really need to see what they're going to get out of uh, what they can get out of him this year because he's got two club options for twenty two and twenty three, mm-hmm. and so they they need to figure it out. I mean, not that they haven't needed to figure it out for a while, but I, I think yeah, I think he's in the middle of that rotation, and he gets the opportunity to kind of go. Uh, and if that's the case, I think he could be a, you know, number three, number four starter in fantasy, and you just get a ton of profit potential at pick 352. I don't know if you fully sold me, but I don't know. I, I look at it. You know, he'll, he's going to hey, look like. What else are you going to take in that spot? I was about to say, he's like, going to look like an oasis out there when you're drafting and you see such a name that you recognize, and if you've ever had him. During those good seasons, you're gonna be like ah, Carlos Martinez, my old reliable here. As I mean, the guys going ahead start. of him are like Johnny Cueto, uh, Domingo Herman, say, say, uh, say Daniel Hudson going ahead of him. No, say the name. Who does not deserve to be going ahead of him? I, I don't know who you're you're referencing. Fucking Kyle Gibson. How know, dare you? You know he has no business <laughs> going above 
anybody really let's be honest another name we should probably mention is drew smiley going at 317 i almost put him actually so i'm glad you brought that up um he closed really strong did your boys did your giants the was it a one-year situation is he yeah he's a free agent again yep yeah so it kind of depends on where he ends up he uh, was good role but he was i mean he just wasn't allowed to get a decision Oh, no, he did get a decision in the last yep. game. He took a loss yep, <laughs> in, a, in a stellar five-inning, ten-strikeout performance. One of his best outings, and, and he finally catches the decision, and it's a loss. Yeah, he was he was really living in that um, in that three-to-four-inning three to range, but pitching remarkably well. 26 in the third with 42 strikeouts, 342 ERA, and a 110 whip for Smiley. Small sample, sure. Mm-hmm. Um but the skills are there when he's healthy. The problem is when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. So he'll be 32. We'll have to see where he lands. But he is so cheap that I agree he has somebody to keep a close eye on. And that's what you're looking for. You're looking for some upside. I think too often people think just upside, youth equals upside late in drafts. It's like, yeah, I mean, it it does to a degree. But a veteran like Smiley can also be upside. because that's if why he, his if, price is so down. If he was 25 or 26 – people would be touting him as a huge sleeper. But because he's 31 uh, and going to be 32 next year, people kind of just forget about him. I agree. I agree. And I, I won't I won't be forgetting about him. And, you know, we'll see where he lands. But uh, but I agree with that. Uh, I was also going to maybe consider Chad Cool talking about him. I, another pirate. Jesus, <laughs> I have to stop. Um, you say no, Kikuchi. No, no. Two pirate women on this show. Yeah, two pirate women. We already hit it. Um, I didn't hit it on the hitter one with just Cabrian Hayes. I don't have another hitter I like, but the pitchers, I, I need to slow down with it for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll get deeper into the pitching pool as things settle a bit. I think that's pretty good right now to, to, to cap it off there. But uh, I'm excited to see how the pitching market develops. It's, it's pretty wide open right now. I feel like, am, am, is it just recency bias, or is this one of the more open pitching markets that we've seen in a while, both starters and relievers? I think it's a little recency bias. Last year was pretty wide open too. I think, but yeah, I do I think so. that the I don't fact know. I, that I didn't think it got sketchy at like twelve last year. <laughs> no, it definitely it was a little bit thicker of a top tier. Um, but I mean, that's to be expected considering just the huge kind of unknowns from a 60 game sample. Um, yeah. I mean, and all I mean by sketchy is is the the variance in rankings. Not that everyone 12 and later is is a sketchy pitcher, but that you could have somebody at 12 that I have at 22 and it could make plenty of sense. You yeah. know, it, it it wouldn't be so out of bounds whereas I mean, no normally, one had more than 13 starts. Like yeah, that's there's just yeah. not much to go off of and it's going to be really difficult, but we're going to we're going to navigate through it. We're going to be here all winter. Um but Justin that's going to wrap us up today. I'll talk to you later this week. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully we get a game seven to talk about uh, on Thursday morning. Uh, um, I'm hoping. Go Reds. <laughs>